Before there was a man named Jesus, there was the Word. The Word was in the beginning with God. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were created by him. And without him was not anything created that was created. At one point, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us as a human being. He did that so that he could suffer in the flesh and die and pay for the sins of the world by his blood. God raised Jesus from the dead and for 40 days he appeared on this earth revealing himself as a human to the people who lived at that time on this earth. But then at one point, he was taken into heaven. And the apostles had gathered together and they saw him go into heaven, Acts chapter 1. At that point, Jesus was going to reveal himself to us from then on by the word. He went into heaven that we could be given the Holy Spirit to live inside us. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of Jesus who lives in each believer now. It's a wonderful gift because he guides us into all truth, teaches us all things, reminds us of everything Jesus has said to us and shows us things to come. I'm quoting from John chapter 14, verse 26, and John chapter 16, verse 13. The Holy Spirit searches the heart of God to reveal to us what God has planned for us and to let us know the will of God. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is Jesus in us, living in us now. Before he appeared as a man, but he didn't live in all the believers. Now he lives in the believers. In today's religious world, people so often want to worship Jesus in the flesh. They want to have crosses and candles and photographs of a long-haired, long-robed man portraying Jesus. They want to set up wooden altars made by hand and put things, little things on the altars. They want to see things which they think are religious. They go to church and they hear music and they think they are worshiping God and they are religious and very often they're simply being entertained and their flesh enjoys it. Jesus said, we who worship God must worship God in spirit and in truth. There was a man in our church group many years ago who went to some type of religious meeting and he came back and he said, oh, it was wonderful. And he kept talking about how wonderful this meeting was and finally I said to him, well, what was wonderful about it? He said, well, at the end of the table they had three large crosses covered with flowers. That is what he thought was spiritual. You don't see a spirit if it's spiritual, 
You can't really see it with your natural eyes. That's fleshly. Spiritual is hearing the ideas from God that are brought to us by the Holy Spirit of Jesus who lives in us. When we follow those ideas, we're worshiping God in spirit and in truth. But to try to see an object with our natural eyes, that's fleshly. That is not spiritual, and it will have no real power of God. So if you want the power of God, it's the Spirit of God who brings us the power. Before Jesus came to the earth, to this earth, he was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were created by the Word. John chapter 1. In the Old Testament days, the Holy Spirit was given to the prophets, and the people had to go to a prophet to check the Word of God and to really hear the Word of God. They had to seek it through a prophet. That's not that way now. Jesus came to this earth and lived for a very short period of time as a human. He came in the form of a human because he had to die for our sins. He could not come as an angel because angels do not have human bodies. They do not suffer the pains that we as humans do. Angels do not suffer emotional pain or physical pain. So Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering, for the suffering of pain to pay for our sins. Then we are born again, and we are given the Spirit of God. And Jesus is in heaven now, at the right hand of God, interceding for us. He paid for our sins, and everything that we did before we were born again is covered by the blood of Jesus after we're born again. But if we return to those sins... We crucify Jesus afresh. We think to crucify Jesus afresh. And that is the terrible penalty attached to it. Well, those people who want to see a physical representation of Jesus do the same thing. They want to bring Jesus back here in the form of a man. Why would you want to do that and have him suffer again? He's not going to. It's not going to happen. And you're just fleshly by trying to find Jesus in the flesh. The people who go to Jerusalem and go on those trips and try to go visit the tomb of Jesus and walk where Jesus walked, this is very fleshly. It has no power. It accomplishes no good work. We worship God in the Spirit and in truth. The Apostle Paul said something very interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, start at verse 1. Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
Paul was going to preach to us the crucified Christ, not the man who walked in Jerusalem at a certain period of time and died for our sins. He, that Going to visit the place Jesus walked avails you nothing. That's no power of God. Lighting candles with your prayers, that's no power of God. Hanging crosses on the wall, that's no power of God. None of those things are power of God. Because if you can see it with your natural eye, it is not the power of God. It's the flesh. It's your eyes seeing it. It's your own self doing it. It is the Spirit of God where there is power, where he speaks to us by the Spirit. Now, Paul was going to preach that Christ, him crucified. For after he was crucified, he walked for 40 days on this earth as a witness to his resurrection. And he walked here as the form of a man, appearing as he willed to various people. But then he was taken into heaven. At that point, we're back into the subject of the word. Although we never really left the word. It's always been there. But the thing is, after Jesus was crucified, we were given the Holy Spirit. All of us. Not just the prophets. Every individual who believed in God was given the Holy Spirit after Jesus arose. Therefore, we hear from God by the Spirit. What more do we want? I don't have to see a little plastic image of a man. I have the Spirit of God in me to lead me. And that is the important thing. But if after the truth is revealed to us, we go back to our previous sins, we think to crucify Jesus afresh to pay for those current sins. So we don't want to do that. That's a terrible penalty. Nor can we worship God in the flesh. If you can see it with your natural eyes, if you worship him by looking at a stained glass window at church, at a church building. You see, the real truth is we are the church. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus lives in us. We are the building. It's not that thing built by man. One time I attended a dinner at Texas Tech in Lubbock, Texas. At the table where I was sitting, you could see out the window. Across the street was First Methodist Church building. And a woman proudly said, that is our church. And she pointed at this building and I said, we are the church. Well, she became very upset. And she said to the people at the table, she says, we are the church. I'm not the church, she said. That's the church. And she pointed at her building. Well, maybe she wasn't the church, but I am. And you are if Christ lives in you. We are the church. And we worship God by doing that which God calls to our attention. That's how we worship God. We don't worship God by signing up at church to visit the sick. We worship God by visiting the sick when the Spirit of God reminds us of the sick, when he brings them to our attention. 
That's how we worship God. That's in spirit. That's in truth. We worship God by following the Spirit of God. Most people of the church world do not worship God by following the Spirit of God. They think that they go to church and they hear the beautiful music and they're worshiping God when many times they're just being entertained. Several years ago, back in the 1980s, the early 80s, an advertising agent for Michael Ellison Advertising Agency who represented Jimmy Swaggart and Kenneth Copeland and Robert Tilton, Marilyn Hickey, several big-name ministers. My own pastor, Robert Tilton, said, Joan, he can do you a lot of good, and he gave me Ellison's name and recommended I get Ellison to represent me. For a very brief period, I did that. The agent with Ellison told me this. Jimmy Swigert came to them and said, I'm tired of having four to 500 people come to my meetings. I want to have bigger crowds. So the Ellison Agency said, well, you're a country western singer, so stop preaching so much and begin singing more and you'll get bigger crowds. So Swagger did that, and thousands of people came to his meetings after that. This is an example of fleshly approaches to religious things. In prison at one point in time, I believe it was Peter and some other disciple, and they were in the stalks at the prison, I mean, where they put their arms and their legs in stalks and confined them, and they began singing hymns. That's a very godly thing. But all of this pre-planned music is often very fleshly, very fleshly. And the people think it's religious, and they think they are religious. But they go out, and what happens to them? They leave the building, and then what happens? Their life falls apart with problems. What's really religious is Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, doing that. Be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, the word which is given to you by the Spirit of God. Praying over every concern. Now that is very important. This is a solid rock upon which to base your life. But being entertained in the flesh by music and thinking it's spiritual is to deceive your own selves. Having a hymn called to your mind by the Holy Spirit, that's a very good thing. So there's a difference in how it is used. I believe the majority of music today at churches is used to control the people and entertain the people, though it may seem spiritual. There is such a thing being called minister of music. There's no such thing in the Bible. In the Bible, after Jesus arose and was resurrected and is in heaven, he established the New Testament church. He gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. Those are the ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There is no such thing as minister of music. This is a performance. This is a controlled situation. We have on our blog some hymns. I chose to just have a single piano, sort of an old-fashioned upright piano, just leading in the hymns. If anyone wants to see it and sing along with it or listen to the music and follow the words, they can do it. My housekeeper, who's raised Catholic, and it is Catholic, when she heard it, she said, well, don't you have any performers? Don't you have any singers? Don't you have any organists? Don't you have this kind of thing? I said, no, you're supposed to sing inside your heart, singing and making melody in your heart. As you hear this one single piano, it's not performing for you as much as it is helping you to sing the hymn in your own heart. She said, oh, she was accustomed to big ceremonies. At one point, I was watching a biography on my Kindle tablet. She saw what I was doing, and she stopped and said, what is that? It was a huge procession at a, a church building. I said, well, that is the funeral of Winston Churchill. She was very impressed. People in religious circles are often that way, impressed by things they see, and especially by numbers of people that attend the church. People of God are interested in the scriptures, the word of God, the spirit of God, the things of God. People who are of the religious people are like the scribes and the Pharisees and the Bible who killed Jesus. See, it's a different thing entirely. Those of you who truly are born of the Spirit of God know what I'm talking about. And I'm sure you're grieved at what you see going on in the religious circles today. This helped me more than anything else concerning overcoming the grief of the sins in the churches. When God revealed to me 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where this had to happen before Jesus could return, then the grief that I had once felt over what I was seeing done in the churches, the grief I had, now I don't like seeing it today, and I won't look at it deliberately, but this helped me a lot. Because when I read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and understood what God was saying, I saw this had to happen before Jesus could return. This has happened and is happening. The great falling away, and that was going to be in the churches, they fell away from Scripture and allowed Antichrist to enter into the churches and set up their own doctrine of men. While it still grieves me, I'm not as grieved and as hopelessly grieved as I was 
because Paul said the day of the Lord would not come except first there came this falling away. That's 2 Thessalonians 2. And when I saw it was something that had to happen before Jesus could come, I could look at it totally differently. We are to live in peace as we wait for Jesus. We can't correct these churches. They won't be corrected. Jesus will deal with them when he comes. And it will be a brutal dealing. I can read to you what's going to happen to them. It's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I believe it starts at verse 10. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now I can give you an exact example of this. We told a woman about Antichrist coming through the churches and that there were many Antichrists in the days of John, not just one Antichrist as churches have been led to believe in the past. And she listened to what we said. We read the scriptures in Second Thessalonians 2 to her and she said, well, my church teaches that there's one Antichrist and I'm just going to go with that. That's exactly what it's talking about here in what's going to happen to them. They received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. They didn't care enough about the truth to look into it, to look at the scriptures, to see, to turn to God, to pray. They just made up their mind immediately. They were going to believe what their church said. That is a very fearful state to be in. And with all this evilness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. We construct our life by those things brought to our attention by the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit, by God. We follow God by His Spirit. We correct ourselves by the Scriptures. We correct ourselves by the Word of God. We agree with the Word of God rather than the Word of man, and we go in the way of God. That man in the Catholic Church who calls himself a Pope recently announced that he approved same-sex marriages in civil service ceremonies. And they sit in the Catholic Church, these homosexuals and lesbians, approved by the Pope, which means approved by the people, because he tells the people what to believe. Well, they must feel awfully good to have that approval. But here is what God has to say about homosexuals and lesbians in the Bible. In verse 22 of Romans 1, 
professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man and to birds and to four-footed beasts and to creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now that is what those people who believe the Bible conform themselves to is the thinking of God presented in the Bible. My cleaning lady came to me one time and said, but what about, what about these homosexuals who say they were born that way? Well, I didn't have an answer for her, but a few days later, God gave me an answer. Mark chapter 10. In the beginning, God created them what? Male and female. But he gave them over to this reprobate mind to go against nature. Vile affections, he calls it. So we come along. Do we agree with this man called Pope? Of course not. We know what the Bible says. He doesn't even seem to know there is a Bible the way he acts. He just does what he can reason or what seems good to him. They have a lot of homosexuals and lesbians in their congregations at the Catholic Church. He would offend them if he spoke the truth of this scripture. But that's how salvation comes also, is by the truth of the scripture. Anyway, they're all destined for hell unless they agree with what God says in the Holy Bible by the Spirit of God. Some will. Some will be saved. But the vast majority of people in the religious circles, both Protestants and Catholics, want to follow after something fleshly that they can see, tangible, and they deny the Spirit of God that way. We must not do that. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.